Good morning, everyone. Friends, we look at our, our first reading, and uh, Solomon is told by God uh, he could have uh, any gift he desired, and uh, we see how he discerns and uh, he makes a decision about uh, what it is that he will ask of God. And uh, I knew that these readings were coming, and uh, my friends, last night I told the people, um, this week I went and got a lottery ticket, um, and it was at a gas station. I went into a gas station, and I didn't even think that. When was the last time a priest walked into a gas station? But I got the ticket not knowing, and I said I'd like the computer to choose the numbers, and uh, she looked at me. She got a piece of paper, <laughs> you know, the thing you fill out. It's called a quit pick. Here you go, mark it. She goes, you have to do it. And, uh, and uh, she kept looking at me in an odd way, and I, I thought, oh, something wrong with my hair? <laughs> um, and then she handed me to the ticket, and she said, um, good luck? <laughs> and I didn't understand. You know, I was like, what's going on? Well, I get it back in the car, and I'm looking in the mirror, and I have my collar on. So I thought maybe I shouldn't wear my collar when I do such things um, because it may scandalize people. And I, that's when I thought, I wonder when the last time a priest came into the gas station got anything besides a Twinkie. <laughs> and, uh, of course, I said, Lord, I hope this is the winning ticket. Unlike what Solomon did, he asked properly for the right things, but your pastor did not. Well, it was a $4 winner, so I need to be more specific with God because uh, <laughs> it was a winning ticket. And my friends, uh, I bring that up because uh, I wonder what the attendant was thinking uh, when she saw a man of the cloth come in to purchase one of those tickets. And, uh, and my friends, uh, our second reading from Romans, um, Paul says that all things will work uh, to fulfill God's will, and he can make everything that happens in our life, even the bad things that what we consider to be, he can make those into beautiful things. And then there, there's a statement he makes about uh, predestined. And uh, the way we understand predestination, the way Paul was referring to it, is different. We have free will, and there's God's desires and wills, and then there's our gift of free will, and there's this mystery and tension in that. But what Paul was talking about was that the Father knew that the Son would come and that we would be made in, we say, God's image, and that's Jesus. He is also God. And ultimately, we are predestined not to be just creatures like a horse or a cow or a tree, but to be the very children of God. That is our predestination. Now, does, there is also free will involved in everything. Uh, his desire is that all people live eternal life and have that salvation. That is the predestination that he is talking about. It gets a little bit tricky because of the way Paul writes, and he's talking about uh, selection and uh, choice, but, uh, and it sounds as if we have no choice in the matter at all. That is not what Paul is talking about. He said, uh, <clears throat> you have been predestined in the image of his son, Jesus, to be his children. And the hope would be that you would choose to be then like his son, to choose wisely. 
and therefore to have eternal life. And here we have the Gospels, and the Gospels have, um, last we were in the mode of parables, and last week we saw the parables that talked about good and bad inside the church, inside the world, and um, these three parables uh, approach something different. And um, my friends, the, uh, normally the parables about the kingdom have to do with God, and it's all about Him. But these two first parables are not. They're actually about human beings and what they're doing. And uh, here we have the elements of the parables include diligent effort, sudden discovery of something not of our own doing. It talks about joy a lot, those parables, and the need to make a decision. A decision has to be made. That's what the parables are getting at. And that decision uh, should be to secure the treasure that the person has found, because that's what the parable is about, a treasure in different ways. And as I said, the parables are normally about the kingdom of God, or about God, uh, not about humans, but in this case, the first two are talking about what the person is doing. But I had to look and see, well, there, God has to be in there, and what is it? So perhaps the implicit point about God in these first two parables is the manner in which God hides treasures amid familiar surroundings for us to discover and then to claim for ourselves, you know, to make it our own. And uh, God works below the surface of everything we do. And then he invites us uh, to find the fingerprint of his works. If the parables are in some fashion about God, it is about him being at work and these parables insist that God has priorities, and I'm going to put forth to you that then God expects the priorities he has to become our own. And here's where the challenges are. We all know that there are different value systems. There are some things that are more important than others. And um, one of the things that the parable is teaching us um, is that the disciple must learn what those differences are. And uh, Matthew's message in the gospel, the kingdom of heaven can be found, and it can only be found with great effort and with great discernment. And he goes on to say it's like a treasure in a field. When you know it is there in that field, you must buy that land. In his time, in order to take possession of what you found, you had to own the land that it was on. So that's what he's getting at. He's saying, make the decision, buy the property, and take the treasure. But also, um, in that, you must dig. Get a shovel and start digging. There's work, right? So it's, there's work. There's hard work in it. Uh, when it comes to the pearl of great price that is worth more than all the other possessions, uh, it must be harvested. And, uh, and it is taken with great care and patience. Friends, here is where the tricky one comes, the third one. The third one uh, classically is understood as last week's parable about good and bad in the world and all that. But I also, because Matthew paired it up with these other two, means that there's something else. And I believe this is also about discernment, your discernment. You must decide what has the greatest priorities, what has the greatest values, and the things that are not toss out. But that means you've got to get 
in there with the stinky fish and decide, I like this, this fish is really good. I don't know what this thing is, but it's getting out of here. And uh, it's like that hall of fish uh, and the ones that are valuable in there, uh, he would say, it is so great to catch that take the risk of the nets tearing. The nets are extremely important to their livelihood. And if the nets break, it's a problem, and they're going to spend a whole week mending it. The parable is saying, risk it. Risk for this catch. And uh, because it contains something good in it. Yes, there is some bad. And here, in, not bad as in wicked, but bad as in there are lesser things that should be to your attention. Or, uh, if you will, uh, there are some other things, habits and stuff, you need to rid yourself of. Finding the kingdom of heaven then becomes a very challenging, if you will, and messy. Sometimes it means that maybe some of your desires and dreams are going to have to be put aside. It might involve digging up a field or sorting through the fish. If we are seeking the kingdom of heaven, then we must turn our vision and try and line ourselves with the Father's will. Uh, and my friends, that becomes um, very, very challenging for us. And uh, um, we don't always want to do that. And um, the parable, all of them, but this third one indicates that for some, finding God will require great discernment and great decisions. Uh, perhaps this, the meaning is that, uh, as I said, uh, choosing between that which is holy and that which is good. There's another parable about this. And uh, um, choosing what has great value and what hinders someone in their relationship. I can put myself forward for you. Um, when I was little, I dreamt about being a priest. But then as I got older, I put it aside. I made decisions what I thought was more important in that time. I still wonder, did I make the right decisions? Did I not? And uh, um, I had to eventually decide... Uh, what was of greatest value? What is a valuable um, today? And I wonder uh, today, especially with the huge variety of everything and anything at any given time, thank you, Amazon, Amazon, you order it and it's there that evening. And you have a selection so great that you spend the whole day, well, I don't know, I don't know. I'm going to look at what the opinions say. And... Uh, with the ease of communication and transportation, it makes it, I think, difficult to make commitments for people. And uh, my friends, when things are a better time, uh, you hear, well, if you don't like your job, just get another one. There's plenty of them out there. Uh, if you don't like where you live, just buy someplace else and move. And, uh, and then the way media puts forth things and how we see such beautiful things uh, everywhere else, you know, the grass is greener, everyone else. Uh, don't tie yourself down to one thing. And uh, it's too limiting. And uh, um, people have more trouble making a decision or commitment then. Yet suspending our judgment and never coming to a conclusion makes real growth impossible. There came a point in my life where I had to make that decision. 
I was either going to turn myself over completely to Christ and what he wanted, or I was not. He allowed me to get away with being uncommitted, doing whatever I wanted, and I did whatever I wanted. But then the time came. Without giving ourselves to something or someone, perhaps time is really wasted then. Today's parables about the buried treasure and the really valuable pearl tell us that there is something to which we need to give ourselves wholeheartedly, helping to establish the reign of God. These parables, the treasures, are about your relationship with God. That's the treasure. That's what is trying to be put forth. Your relationship should become primary and everything that flows from it then. A wholehearted dedication to what is important. For the married couples, uh, you can understand what I'm getting at because in marriage you have made a decision to be committed to your wife or to your husband. You have decided that is a very valuable thing, a very valuable relationship. To the young ones, uh, you have a little bit of time to play, but to decide what it is that you want to do. Now, I messed with, um, where are you, little one? Where's our little server? Oh, he's hiding behind my chair. <laughs> there you are. I put my stole on him, and I said, if it fits, this is what would, will be done. Well, it was too long. And I said, how old are you? Seven. And I said, 20 years from now. <laughs> I am unlikely to be around at that time, young man. I will probably, hopefully, on my way to heaven by then. Uh, but I hope I put a seed in his heart. Sorry, Dad, in case you had other ideas. I was just throwing in another uh, for him to consider the priesthood by putting the stole on him to see. He just smiled. He smiled and laughed. Not laughed as in, oh, no way. Just look at Father, <laughs> what he's doing. So my friends, to forever hesitate and weigh all the options, sometimes, sometimes, simply a way of avoiding making commitments and taking responsibilities. This is hard, I understand. And life is too short to spend most of our time trying to figure out whether this thing or that thing is what we should dedicate ourselves to. My friends, uh, I hope this is... Uh, I tried to do something not so classical about the parables, you know, and to um, give you a different perspective on it, uh, uh, perhaps uh, a new understanding but I want to leave you with this. No matter how you approach these three parables, no matter how you want to interpret them, no matter how you want to accept the words of this homily, uh, two things are absolutely here. The wisdom to recognize the incredible worth of your relationship with Jesus Christ and the Father and the Holy Spirit. The second is to have the courage and the fortitude to stake it all on that relationship. When it comes to God and your relationship, be wise, be bold, and be strong.